Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics Podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. In this podcast, the topic is Hong Kong's legislative elections. And our guide to this topic is Evan Rees, Asia-Pacific analyst with Stratfor. Evan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Emily. Hong Kong's legislative elections have been delayed for a full year to September 2021. Why? Well, it it came as a surprise to many people. This was an election that had been looked forward to as a key juncture and a key test for sort of the new normal in Hong Kong. I mean, we had a national security law passed uh, in the last few weeks um, that heavily restricted politics inside the city. And it looked like the pro-Beijing camp was going to use those powers to limit the the success of the pro-democracy camp. Instead, what we saw is we saw the Hong Kong government use the justification of a new surge in COVID-19 cases uh, to justify the delay for another year. And of course, as we've seen worldwide, uh, many elections have proceeded in the middle of COVID-19. So that's not necessarily a full justification. There's something more going on. So how will the region's government operate during that year? So that's a bit of an open question right now. So the central government's National People's Congress Standing Committee is going to meet at the start of August, and they're likely going to announce precisely what it looks like in Hong Kong for the next year uh, at the end of that session on August 11th. There's a few different ways they could go with this. What they could do is they could extend the current legislative council for another year, uh, allow the lawmakers to continue to sit in their positions, um, and then vote on legislation and simply just have an extra year for this legislative council. Alternatively, China could form its own interim parliamentary body to vote on things, and they could constitute that in a different way and and empower certain forces within Hong Kong. And then they could use that to pass a whole raft of legislation that they would like to get passed, including um, electoral rights for Hong Kongers living in the mainland, um, limitations on filibustering, which has been a huge pro-democracy tool, uh, and passage of domestic national security legislation as well. Who will be deciding what the next steps actually are? So it will be China's National People's Congress Standing Committee. uh, And they're going to be meeting at the start of August. um, And they're the same body that decided on the national security law. Let's talk about the strategy of the Chinese central government uh, towards Hong Kong. What's changing? China over the last few months has been trying to strike this balance in Hong Kong between controlling the political situation limiting some of what they see as chaos within Hong Kong uh, and threats to the central government. And on the other side, balancing that with trying not to jeopardize Hong Kong's economic value. This is very much rooted in a desire to rein in the threat to national sovereignty. And, you know, if you look at China as a whole, it has several threats to its cohesion as a country. Taiwan is one of them, you know, which it sees as a separatist province. You have separatist movements in Xinjiang, Tibet, and even Inner Mongolia, It's a large country that's very hard to keep together at at points. And having Hong Kong and Hong Kongers openly defy the central government is a threat to the tenure of the Communist Party and to overall cohesion. At the same time, they're not resorting to the extreme measures of taking over Hong Kong, you know, by putting soldiers on the ground uh, in an overt manner or getting rid of the political system. They're trying this hybrid approach of, of putting more controls within Hong Kong through the national security law and more active intervention in politics without fully sweeping everything away and killing the goose that laid the golden egg. So Evan, what does this mean for the political tensions within Hong Kong and the protests? 
So this puts the pro-democracy camp once again on a bit of a back foot. They were preparing for the September elections. Um, they were trying to rally public support to their cause, you know, and, and there still is widespread public support for uh, pro-democracy issues and sovereign, or um, I'm sorry, universal suffrage issues that they're advocating for within Hong Kong. Um, instead, now they have to wait another year. Uh, the risk is that they could lose some momentum towards these end and that, you know, pro-Beijing authorities within Hong Kong and then the central government itself could put in more limits uh, to their power. At the same time, this also creates, in some ways, a bigger rallying point for the pro-democracy camp because, you know, not only now has Beijing imposed a relatively unpopular national security law in Hong Kong, it's also potentially triggered a constitutional crisis within Hong Kong over how to extend the legislator, legislature and, and how to proceed with this. So that could be a major public rallying point. Of course, at the same time, you know, one of the only avenues left right now, depending on what happens with the legislature, uh, are the streets. Um, and the COVID-19 pandemic right now, and to some extent, the national security law will limit the turnout on the streets. We'll see how long that lasts, given that Hong Kongers uh, are relatively polarized uh, politically and relatively, I would say, uh, up in arms about these encroachments on uh, Hong Kong's autonomy. And needless to say, the world is watching. Absolutely. Evan Reese is an Asia-Pacific analyst with Stratfor. You can read more on this topic and his analysis on what will happen next with a subscription to Stratfor Worldview. Our biggest value is actually keeping you apprised about what happens next. Podcast listeners can access a special subscription rate at stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's all one word stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.